And another thing And another thing And another thing And another thing Welcome to another episode of And Another Thing the podcast that continues to set the bar in the world of podcasts. My name is Jody Jenkins. My name is Tony Clement. And my apologies. I, I got distracted there because uh, we've got two guests on the show tonight. One of them just sent me a text saying that he didn't receive the link. Ooh. So I should I should resend that to him, although little does he know, I just emailed him the information. But yes, we, we will interview or we'll introduce those people shortly and may i um, say jody what a great editing you job you did last week for stan Cho, because uh, we had a, a few technical problems and you cut right through it and you, it was a very clean episode so congratulations well i mean now now you've kind of ruined it by saying that we had to do editing it was it would have been better if people just thought that that's how it flowed but... oh it's magic yes 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 <laughs> so but yeah no we got a lot of good feedback and again stan was a wonderful guest and we're excited to. Uh, I keep saying we're excited because I am. I, I just can't contain myself. I can for the tell. Guest we have today, although I'm a little disappointed in one of our guests because <laughs> I have to do this over again for him. Yes. Send that to him. I'm just sending it as I'm talking. So. Okay. Okay. Anyway, nope. so we got to thank our sponsors right off the top: John Mutton and the crew at Municipal Solutions. Of course, they've been with us since day one, and uh, we couldn't do the show without their support. And Tony, I know that you're able to share a lot more about what they do at Municipal Solutions. Indeed, I can, Jody. Of course, Municipal Solutions, Ontario's leading MZO firm. They're there for you for development approvals, permit expediting, planning services with municipalities, engineering services, architectural services. If Even if you have minor variances or land severances, they are there for you. Go to municipalsolutions.ca. John Mutton and the gang will help you out. They'll get the job done for you. And then we also want to thank our sponsor, Halton GR. They are at haltongr.com, your West GTA GR firm. They specialize in sourcing land for development, acquiring ideal land, obtaining zoning permissions and bylaw modifications. They keep the project going through the process. They're also very good at putting together financing. Their motto is let's get this done. Contact Steve Sparling and the gang at haltongr.com. I would also like to indicate that you can also hear this podcast every Saturday, 8.30 a.m. at huntersbayradio.com. Hunters Bay Radio in Muskoka. They are our supporters as well. And can I say, Jody, before we get to your thanking, I want to I congratulate one of our past uh, uh, guests, Megan Oldham. Uh, it was about a year ago, uh, right after the Olympics. Uh, Megan is one of our skiers, an Olympic skier, and she just completed a quadruple something or other that has never been done before ever as part of her competition. So congratulations to Perry Sound's own Megan Oldham, a former guest of And Another Thing podcast. Jody, yeah, over I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remember how we connected with her. What was the reason? Like, was was I watching something and then heard she was from Perry Sound or something? Yeah, I think that was it. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. And then Pacini's I contacted calling her. me right now. Pacini's calling me right now. Okay, so we just put him so on exciting. speakerphone. And, well, should I introduce you? our guest that we have with us? Or well, 
Here, hold on. We'll get David Pacini first, and then we'll okay. We'll see here, so. It's so exciting. This is happening in real time. Oh, he just hung up on me. So anyway, <laughs> anyway, but uh, we got it. So I also got to give a shout out to LooneyPolitics.com. Uh, make sure you use the code podcast to get fifty percent off your annual subscription. That's at LooneyPolitics.com. Wonderful news aggregate where you can get exclusive content you will not get anywhere else. And then finally, the you already said Hunter's Bay Radio. I did, yeah. Okay, so then I guess we're done. And now he's texting me. You know what I bet it is with David? Oh, yeah, of course. Classic. It's not working on my iPad. Oh, my word. <laughs> For those that don't know, the, the program we use to do this show weekly is uh, it, it can't be done on an iPad or a tablet. It's yes. so, anyway, he Which should we know do better. make clear to our guests. Yes, very. And one of our guests today did figure that out. So yeah. there you go. Can I introduce him right now? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yes. Well, uh, Stephen Lecce is with us again because uh, I think it was like one of our earliest shows uh, two and a half years ago or so that Stephen uh, was on and he is back. He is the member of provincial parliament for King Vaughan in Ontario. He is minister of education. I got to know Stephen, well, a long time ago, Stephen, maybe you want to talk about that, but we also worked together on Parliament Hill uh, when uh, he was in the Prime Minister's office. Stephen Lecce, welcome back to And Another Thing podcast. Thank you so much, Tony. Thank you, Jody. It's awesome to be back. And uh, yeah, I've known you for like more than half my life, Tony, which means we are both officially very old. I think. Uh, well, I'm definitely very, you're, you're still a young guy compared to no. me. Okay. Mr. Like, let's, let's be clear here. I, I just turned 62. I'm not afraid to admit it, but it's, it's getting uh, long in the tooth, I must say. But I mean, you served as the minister of health. You, you have so many roles and I'm in education and I feel like every year of education is equivalent to seven. So yeah. I feel spiritually, I'm like up there. I'm, I'm hitting my seventies right now. I'm convinced. <laughs> it's, you got it. You got the dog years going. Well, I definitely do. <laughs> oh my word. So tell us like, uh, I, I, I'd love to know, uh, that, uh, how you, you've had some experiences in politics, a lot of experience in politics, even before you got elected in 2018, has that been helpful in your role or is it just completely irrelevant or how, how do you see it? No, I think it has been. I mean, look, I, I, I mean, I, I didn't come from a political family and I think my, my parents, God bless my immigrant family, sort of your typical Italian post-war. My mother came to L, to uh, pier 21 uh, and my dad came through Ellis Island in New York. And I think they were just confused. Like, why is my son insisting on going to a PC youth convention in London, Ontario, versus, you know, going outside to play with his friends? And I, I found my passion early. And, you know, to be fair, my parents, while they were probably uh, un- a little bit ill-prepared to know how to navigate this, they were supportive. And I had mm-hmm. great people around me. And some of the, one of the youngest, some of the earliest and foremost memories I have is getting to know people like Al Paladini uh, and yourself, Tony, and many others who really went up, up, like out of their way to, you know, mentor these young people. We were literally kids. We were 12, 13, 14 years old getting to meet cabinet ministers. And I think it's sort of special about our Canadian political culture that there's a lot of humility in the system. People just, you know, uh, you I never call, I mean, I called you minister, but I remember you used to always say, call me Tony, call me Tony. Yeah. I used yeah. to think that's so cool. Like, what do you mean, call me Tony? You're the honorable. You're like the minister of health. You're, you're, you you know, and, 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 I, and that extended to a lot of your colleagues. So I just feel like, uh, you know, you guys paved the way for a lot of us to, to enter public service. And, you know, you were young 
we're actually building electric vehicles here, not just giving subsidies to, to the most affluent and, and giving men and women in the skilled trades an opportunity to be part of this exciting future. So for me, you know, with its trips to DeFasco Steel with, with the premier where we're talking to workers when my grandfather came uh, from Italy uh, with no money in his pockets, he worked in the steel sector. And I think he and many others would be proud that we're building, you know, making the cleanest steel, I should say, in the world. And, and so it's bypassing traditional forms of media. You know, we spent the day today uh, debunking, um, you know, a, a piece that, that had just come out uh, that, it, that, that is in fact, you know, isn't factual. So, um, you know, it, it's sometimes tough to get a, a fair shake, but, um, but it, you know, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, I'm up here up north. We're about to sign yet another a partnership within with indigenous communities to operate one of our exciting provincial parks and we're going to unveil a new crest uh, commemorating this historic partnership and so um you know it's it's doing things like that getting out in every corner of ontario to get our message out and people are seeing it uh, we wouldn't have been voted back in it if they weren't yeah Stephen, how do you how do you uh, keep it real yeah, I, I think honestly leading into the challenge, I mean, I feel like there's two types of politicians. It's very binary. Either you're the type of guy that, you know, or a gal that puts their hand up and leans into a difficult uh, responsibility and sees the value in that challenge. Or, you know, you're just, uh, you know, a bit of a victim narrative where it's like tough to be, sucks to be me. And, you know, I can't speak for Piccini, but like for both of us, we're young guys. We just, we got elected on our first try provincially and we were able to, you know, within a year, within two or three years, rise into cabinet. And it speaks to what is possible if you have a can-do attitude. And I mean that, like it has not been an easy time, you know, to be a minister of education, perhaps in any government for a hundred years plus, and uh, certainly in ours or environment for that matter. But I think what, you know, um, motivates us is that, uh, and I, you know, the, we're the type of people that see the, uh, see the difficulties and opportunity. And I mean, Winston Churchill used to speak about this and we do, and right. I think enjoy the, that, that job. And I think the other component of it, when it comes to getting, you know, how do we keep it real is making sure we remember who are we here to serve, right? Like you could get so, uh, trapped in the bubble that is Twitter and this false, the false narratives and the echo chambers that exist. We know we're here to serve working, tax-paying, law-abiding parents, families, you know, individuals that just want government off their back and on their side. And I think for that reason, if you're focused and you're able to ignore the noise and really lean into the difficulty to try to advance, you know, make kids' lives better, make our environment better, whatever, make our economy stronger, whatever the mission du jour is, it makes it easy. Yeah. Uh, because we're very focused on the jobs. And I think that's, you know, I don't have many strengths, but one of them will be, I can stay mission focused on getting my job done and not giving a hoot about the noise and the hashtags and the attacks on Twitter, because it's just not real. No, it's not the reality out there. And it's uh, less than 10% of the population who ever even signed onto a Twitter account. So there you go. But uh, I, I got to yeah, say this. A Go ahead, Stephen David. change himself there. He has many strengths. I mean, I've seen the guy on the rink <laughs> and on the soccer pitch. So, uh, and, you know, and at a mic. So we we're, we have a fantastic group of young people. And I think he hit the nail on the head when he said leaning in. We, we really have a, a, a great, a, you know, a fantastic 
example in the Premier who's very accessible, um, really has his hand on the pulse of, of everyday uh, working class men and women of this province. And to do that, you got to get out from behind the keyboard. you got to get out from um, from the Twitter echo chamber, as, as Stephen rightly mentioned, and get in front of people. And it's not always going to be, um, you know, it's not always going to be comfortable, um, but that's okay. Because that's what we're here to do is to serve and to get out in the community. I'm in Northern Ontario today, and we just had one of our, our fantastic uh, women's, uh, you know, social and economic opportunities minister in my community earlier today. And we had some great conversations. So I think we're listening as a government and uh, and have, have some good energy. I You know, and I, I got to give it kudos to both of you, because one of the things you're known for is encouraging young people to get involved. And I want to talk a little bit about that because I, I you know, uh, Stephen uh, for a, a long time in 2018 and, and so on was, had the hashtag next gen. And, it, you know, you can, you consider yourself like a, a next generation politician, not, not the old guard. And I think David, you felt the same way. So do you still try to encourage people to get involved or is that still part of what you see as your role? Stephen, let's start with you. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think it's so central to our existence. I mean, we're young people, um, and I think we're very honored. I think our democracy is stronger for it. I mean, look at 2018 in the last election. We have the, the, the youngest parliament uh, over the last two terms, the most women, the first Muslim elected in our party's history, uh, first Armenian ever elected ever in provincial history, first Tamils ever elected in any provincial legislature. I mean, honestly, we have the first black woman uh, minister, provincial cabinet minister in our party history. There's a lot of good happening in our party. We're harnessing that. We're, as I say, we're, we're, we're really embracing that change. And it gives me hope because really I want the party as we, we, we work to better represent the people we serve. I think it's promising that a young kid in a school in Toronto to a rural community and everything in between can see themselves in their government. And, you know, I think it's important that young voices are at the table. Maybe if they were, we wouldn't be in a housing crisis. Maybe right. if they were, young people are able to get a job connected to their skills or wouldn't be able to, you know, have to save, you know, for one easy payment of a million dollars to own a home in, in the 905. I mean, if only our voices, you know, as millennials and beyond, uh, if they had a say. And I and I think that's something we could all do better at. And I'm I, I gotta agree with the with, with, with Puccini on this. I think the premier he gave he took a lot of risks. I mean, I don't speak for Puccini. He, that was a confident investment. In my case, he took a guy, never served in government, never served in cabinet, and and put him into a ministry that, you know, was in the midst of labor negotiations immediately, like off the top. That takes some chutzpah. And um, you know, I honestly as tough as it may be huge opportunity to lead and to make a difference. And I think for us, we relish it. Like it's, it's, it's just such an amazing story of what's possible in Canada for immigrant kids and for any kid. So yes, I want young people listening or your parents tell their kids that this business, this uh, space, that our party and movement is very much fueled by young, innovative people who are ready to step up and stand out. So, who are your role yeah. models? I, I like I, David, uh, and I want you. I want to have you get in on this as well. I, obviously, you you watch very closely what Doug Ford is doing. Uh, you know, any when you're in cabinet, I remember too when Mike Harris was there. I watched very closely how he was a leader and how he what his management style was, but also you know how he dealt with 
you know, situations where it, they were tough situations. And I can give you examples of that. But I'd love to know, aside from Doug Ford, because uh, that's an obvious answer, who else yeah, uh, historically yeah. do you look at and say, that's the kind of leadership that I, you know, if I could, if I could be half the leader that person was, I'd be doing okay. David, do you want to, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I think, um, you know, for me as a student of history, one of mine without question would be Winston Churchill. Um, incredible courage and strength exemplified by, by Churchill. I also look, um, you know, to, to leadership in, in Canada, leadership and principled leadership that we saw under Prime Ministers Mulroney and, and Harper. Um, and, and honestly, locally, um, you know, for me and in my own community, um, I draw inspiration from my own dad, you know, he, uh, he has a remarkable integrity, uh, honesty and, and taught me really principled values and, and, and a good set of, of family values growing up. So for me, it's also my dad. Yeah. Stephen. Yeah. I, you know, I draw a lot of parallels to what Pacini was saying, you know, um, certainly my family, you know, I don't have a big family, uh, contrary to maybe some of your perceptions of, uh, you know, a big, <laughs> just my brother and I, and, you know, and, um, and my, and obviously, you know, and my parents, but, you know, they played an important role because I think without knowing it, they led by example. You know, my dad got up at four in the morning, you know, he was a, he was driving a truck for the first 15 years of his life in a new country, couldn't afford to go to school, for, to go to college. And he reminded us about that, not to, you know, not to, 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 um, to, not to diminish our spirit, but in fact, to motivate us to say, look, I couldn't even go to school. Now you guys have to go to school. You got to take on all these opportunities. So uh, just remembering where I came from, it's pretty crazy that a generation ago, my father was like, part of an agricultural low-income family outside of Rome that right. my grandfather, you know, uh, it's a bit of an, you know, it's, a, it's emotional to think about my, my grandfather, my nunno, if you will, my dad's father was illiterate. And I say this not with any sense of malice, with a sense of pride and like this beautiful, great, you know, man that came to this country, wonderful guy, a great soul. And his, he signed an X at Ellis Island because he couldn't, he wasn't literate. I mean, it's just, honestly, think of what is possible in Canada through hard work and a sense of focus. And, and it's, a, it's a great story about what's possible in our party too. Um, politically, I'd say, you know, I had the fortunate, be- I had the benefit of working with Prime Minister Stephen Harper. Uh, I did serve uh, in his office for five and a half years and uh, concluding as his uh, chief spokesperson. And um, I will tell you, I mean, uh, he was a man of principle, yes. Uh, but he was a true patriot, and he did what was right, not what was politically expedient. You know, he always, always, lean, always leaned into doing yeah. what was right, and that's why I think. Contrast today, and I, yeah, and I just think it's 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 a good reminder for us, the next gen, if you will, and beyond, um, to really try to govern according to core principles, not according to populist sentiments of the moment. Um, and I think that's the right approach for us. And so for me, the guidance is very much family and, uh, the 22nd prime minister and a lot of other people, you know, I think of John Baird and folks who got involved young too, that, um, you know, really created a great life of public service. Uh, so, um, I'm a big believer in, uh, uh, in, in nurturing that talent today. 
Yeah. So you know, guys, I would just say what what Stephen said there. You know, really powerful about his his grandfather, and and I think with so many of us that sort of those sorts of stories resonate. I remember with my grandfather not speaking, you know, speaking a bit of English just because he wanted us to learn the language, and um, and and that was it. And, and I think for so many, why I think the premier's message and why this critical housing affordability crisis that we're in is is so. Is, is such a driving force for this government is that there's an entire generation who are either who have similar stories to what what Stephen just mentioned my, my own story and my family and, and so many others or who are looking to Ontario or have just arrived and they re, re, you know really resent this narrative that my house is the last house ever built and you need to live in condos or, or high-rises I think without question it's a combination of Two, you got to build subways, build public transit like we're doing, intensify. But you also got to build houses because you, you know, if if we're saying a new generation, new Canadians, next gen aren't going to own a house, and we're gonna we're gonna, you know, you, you can only live in an apartment or your parents' basement, then just be clear. And I think some should be clear because that's really what they're getting at. But but I think this premier, this government recognize that you need a mix of everything we're going to get from the back of the line to the front of the line when it comes to actually building it and getting shovels in ground and saying to that person looking offshores i have a family in italy i've you know spent i've worked around the world in nepal haiti sudan and so many when they hear canada they think of the same opportunity that stephen's grandfather my grandfather you know his father so many saw it and uh and and we got to realize that dream for so many people in ontario yeah, I know my dad was uh, was the same vintage, uh, you know, and uh, eventually he was a he started out as a carpenter at, when he arrived uh, into Canada uh, from overseas, and then eventually owned his own restaurant. And that was my first job was as a busboy in the restaurant, you know, working from ten a.m. to two a.m. in in the restaurant for my summer job. So uh, yeah, it's, it sounds like we've got very similar experiences like that and 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 it's it still happens today and that's that you know people come here and they want to work hard and they want to uh they want to do better than the previous generation right so that's mm-hmm. one of the motivating factors for sure do you think that you know from from your perspective like uh you know housing is such a big issue now and and is that a way like uh, it's such a a generational issue in the sense, as you, as you guys were saying, like, you know, for young people, my son, who's 31 is, you know, who's got a decent job. His wife has a decent job and, you know, they're kind of despairing at the, at the possibility of, of owning a house in Toronto, you know, any, anytime soon. Uh, and, and so that's, I see that with my, with my own kids who uh, want to aspire to do, do, to have something that their parents had, but it's almost out of reach. I, uh, uh, are, can you convince us that uh, you guys, Doug Ford, the cabinet, the, the government, uh, you're going to, you're going to push on ahead because there are forces at work, you know, Pierre Polyev calls them the gatekeepers, uh, but there are forces who, you know, you, you propose a policy solution, uh, like, uh, switching some land around in, in the green belt, et cetera. And then everybody loses their minds and tears their hair out. So, uh, are, are you guys serious about this? I guess is my question. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think we're, we're laser focused on this. Um, I, you know, I think OECD and, and a number of international metrics have predicted 
um, you know, Canada a very bleak future for for performing advanced economies, and and the and the premier rejects that and says we're going to be the economic engine of of Canada. We're bringing back manufacturing. We welcome uh, people who seek uh, a brighter future, who want to work hard, like you know, like the stories you heard from us and our family members, and so many and. To do that, you've got to build build housing, and we didn't get elected to exacerbate the status quo because the status quo wasn't working. The status quo means that in my community of Port Hope, you're still paying what they're paying in downtown Toronto for rent, and that's unacceptable. And um, you know, to do that, you've got to unlock supply. It shouldn't take 10 years to get shovels in ground on critical projects. You've got to actually start planning for growth. Stop looking in the rearview mirror as seemingly you know, we've been doing for decades in Ontario and, you know, uh, you know, in, in my portfolio, I see it with, with aging infrastructure for water and wastewater. We're now investing in building that for tomorrow. And I think it's exciting getting these shovels in ground, giving people the ability uh, to achieve home ownership, um, because it's unacceptable that, that in this country and in a land as vast as Canada, we can't get the job done for our next generation. And, and the premier says, no, nope, we're going to do better. I agree. Our entire cabinet and team agree, and and we're we're leaving no stone unturned uh, to get to get shovels in ground and get houses built so that we can achieve what my grandfather sought when he came here and worked hard. And um, you know, you had many people living in in an apartment or one room just to to finally save to buy a house. And for too many, that that dream has just just slipped out of grasp, and that's not acceptable. Yeah, Steve, I mean. I- you come from Woodbridge. I mean, even even in Woodbridge, the prices have gone bananas. I mean, and they are always uh, high up in Vaughan and, and King, and they've only been increased over the past decade. I mean, look, you know, just beyond the numbers for a second, I, I think if we think about the intergenerational aspiration of how a country builds, how a country is stronger, how a country ensures that each generation um, – is better off than the one before. I think it is fair to say in some respects that this generation of young people may be the first in the nation's history to be in peril of that truth of being better off than their parents. And housing affordability or making housing more attainable is at the crux of the government's agenda for the year. Because if we don't get that fundamental right of, of systematically increasing supply, reducing red tape, and ultimately permitting uh, more housing protection for home buyers. If we don't do these things, then we're really going to have uh, a world where either very wealthy foreign buyers or domestic families are going to be the ones able to own homes, and a massive plurality of young people will lose that hope and that fire in their belly. And I worry because it's not a problem that's bad today. I mean, folks, imagine when 300,000 additional people come to yeah. Canada this year and exactly. then another 200,000 next year. We're talking about 3 million over a decade. That is not insignificant amount of people. And while I very much, and I think we're all credible pro-immigrant conservatives here that support responsible immigration levels uh, targeted to our economic needs, at the end of the day, you know, they need a place to live, a place to go to school, a job, uh, you know, they need infrastructure. So, you know, they need clean water, all these things that we're talking about. So we we actually have to get this right. It is existential in some respects to the ability of young people to wake up in the morning with a desire to succeed in our economy. 
And I think housing is becoming a proxy now for a lot of young people losing hope and giving up. And that should be our entire society and, you know, the whole, our whole, you know, the whole, our whole ecosystem around children is designed on motivating them to push, to do their best, to achieve their, their potential. So this for me is, yes, it's economic, absolutely. But it even goes beyond that. And I'm not sure how to capture the sentiment, but it, it seems like a moral imperative to give young people a reason to get up in the morning and work hard and fight uh, for their potential. And I see a lot of people losing that hope. They certainly did over the last, uh, you know, uh, we saw this on a premier win, right? Yeah. We just, yeah. We just saw this truth. Uh, it's not just to go, I don't want to go too far back, but we had a, I mean, listen, one of the reasons why I ran in the first place is because I felt like, well, what am I going to, who speaks for me here at the t- this, t- this government? Who's here speaking for young people? Um, and, you know, tuition increased the most under the former liberals, right? And people don't often think about that. They, it, it was their government, uh, housing, totally inaccessible. Jobs, they were the highest rate of youth unemployment. And so you think like, like, who did this? Who's speaking for young people and who's fighting for our interests? And I think that's why a lot of young people opted to run in 2018 under Premier Ford. And to be very fair to him, he gave us a platform to make a difference. And I, so it could be very rewarding in that respect too. Jody Jenkins, bring it home. What do you say? Yeah, we better wrap this up because I know Stephen has to get places, and I'm sure David has uh, has to post some stuff on Twitter or something. But um, the last time, I'll keep it lighthearted here. I'll keep it lighthearted to wrap it up. Uh, the last time we had David on the show, we asked him what his go-to breakfast was, and not surprisingly, he said the Blooming Onion at Outback Steakhouse. Um, what, Stephen, what is your go-to breakfast? Uh, honestly, when I have it, it's probably a bagel, uh, and, uh, a coffee. I'm a, I'm a, I'm more of a, I like McDonald's coffee. I don't know if that's controversial, but, um, yeah, that's sort of my thing. I don't do a lot of breakfast too often, but when I do, it's, uh, probably a, a butter bagel. And David, are you still on the bloom and onion kick or? Well, that was actually my lunch, Jody. But, oh. uh, <laughs> but I would say I, I, you know, I'm a lavazza man in the morning. I gotta say, um, I do appreciate McDonald's. We got a great team in Port Hope. I always, before I hit the road, stop in and get their dark roast. Um, you know, but anyone who comes to the office, you're welcome. And uh, I'm still trying to get my friend Stephen Lecce to pop into my office oh. to say hello. We've got a team who, who would love to have him pop in. And he'll get a nice, uh, nice Italian espresso cappuccino. So the offer's open for all three of you fine gentlemen, because that's my breakfast of choice: a nice cappuccino. If there's, if there's cannolis, I'm coming, Puccini. <laughs> yes, definitely. You bring the cannolis on your way down from uh, from from King. Uh, there's a couple good spots on the way. I'll get the coffee uh, machine going and and. We can do this all in person next time. Wow. Look at this, Jody. We're, we're really going in the upper class here. I know. It's, uh, it's all good. But you know what? I'll wrap it up by saying this. Yes. That I think some of the key takeaways from this show tonight are that, you know, dreaming, looking big, or, you know, dreaming big, sky's the limit. It, re- it reminds me of a, a young boy from New York who once said this famous statement, of course. I will be... The greatest jobs president that God ever created. Oh, my God. We'll wrap it up. We'll wrap it up with that. Thanks, gentlemen, for your time. You're always welcome back on the show, and we wish you all the best.
Thanks, guys. Have a good night, guys. Thanks. Great discussion, as always, with both those gentlemen. Nice to have them on at the same time. Yeah. And uh, we'll give Pacini a pass on uh, not being too tech-savvy. I know he is tech-savvy, but he just missed the memo. So He missed the memo. I made it very clear. That we He'll be back. Tech. But anyway. He'll be back. We'll get it all figured out. Exactly. We'll, uh, we'll have some more fun. So, um, Well, we should wrap this up. Again, a big shout-out to John Mutton and the crew at Municipal Solutions. Uh, for their continued support as our presenting sponsor. You can find them at municipalsolutions.ca. Also, uh, looneypolitics.com. Use the code podcast to get 50% off your annual subscription. Uh, Definitely worth it. News aggregate where you can get exclusive content that you cannot get anywhere else, hence why it's exclusive. And then, Tony, you can wrap it up for us. Well, listen, I want to thank uh, Steve Sparling at HaltonGR.com for being a sponsor as well, and Hunters Bay Radio for carrying this podcast every Saturday morning, 8.30 a.m., HuntersBayRadio.com. And I was just thinking, too, I mean, we had the guests, we probably could have, we might be able to do another show on this, but like a couple legends passing away recently, including, you know, from my neck of the woods, Point Anne native, uh, Bobby Hall and, yes. uh, of course, Hazel McCallion. Yes, uh, that happened. Hazel's. That happened the last few days as well, and a yeah. lot of uh, a, a lot of uh, eulogies for Hazel. Uh, she was uh, certainly one of those figures that, uh, if you met her, even if you didn't meet her, you'd never forget her for sure. Yeah. So uh, our thoughts are, are with their families, and it's uh, you know it won't be an easy time, but lots to celebrate in both their lives. So tons of memories. So. Anyway, we'll do this again in seven days. Tony, enjoy the rest of your week. You too, man.